Well, welcome back. Uh, we're in the middle of a series where we're talking about the book of Psalms and the value of the book of Psalms for different life situations that we go through. And on this particular Sunday, we're celebrating the 138th anniversary of First Baptist Church. And uh, so I'll just tell you, I think there's a psalm for that, as it turns out. And so um, as we come into that, let me just kind of nudge you to think in this direction. The, the way that songs are used in our lives varies. For instance, uh, there are psalm, songs that are just pure entertainment for us. And so a lot of what we hear on the radio uh, or recorded music tends to be that way, just straight entertainment or tied to the entertainment industry. Other songs are intended to comfort us, and we find that throughout the book of Psalms. Um, and we probably have our own favorite songs that do that for us. Uh, some songs are intended to motivate us, and so if you have a playlist that you use when you work out, then uh, that's really kind of designed to motivate you and to give you that energy you need to get through the workout. Uh, but today we want to look at a psalm that is a song that is intended to teach. And that's not unique to the book of Psalms. That's part of our everyday life. Matter of fact, when we teach, I don't know how, we, how they do it in schools nowadays or in homes nowadays, but I know when we were raising our children up the same way I was raised, in order to learn the alphabet, we were taught a song that used the ABCs. Uh, I'll, tell, I'll date myself a little bit here and say that when I was growing up, there was a program, a cartoon kind of a program on TV that was called Schoolhouse Rock. And they used catchy tunes that helped children learn things about our justice system and Congress and those kind of things. So some songs are intended directly to the point of education and to teach us something. And in this case, the psalm that we look at today, Psalm 78, is one that teaches us not by looking forward, by, but by looking backward. And that's a little different. That's out of the ordinary. We have all kinds of little sayings in our world and in our system that kind of encourages us to be moving forward all the time and to, to be motivated to move forward and not to be looking backwards. In fact, there is a song, uh, an old rock song, classic rock by Boston that says, don't look back. And that kind of captures some things. We have these sayings like, well, that's just, uh, that's just water under the bridge or, uh, you know, just always keep pushing forward. Um, the writer of Psalm 78 says, not so fast. Uh, what we find in Psalm 78 is this look backward that is intended to be an educational tool for the generations of the children of Israel. And uh, he would say to us, there's great value in old songs. We know that because of the number of songs in our society that get uh, covered or re-recorded. I did a quick Google search on this. Uh, I googled the most covered songs of history in the United States. And so a website called Mental Floss, and I don't know what they stand for, I just know that's where it took me first. And Mental Floss had a survey done, and the top 10 covered or re-recorded songs of all times. And the number eight song was Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Judy Garland. Uh, the number one song, though, was a song by the Beatles. 
and it's the song Yesterday. I was intrigued that there are 2,200 uh, verified covers of that particular song. It underscores the truth for us that some of the old songs uh, bear repeating. Some of the old songs need to be part of our playlist and our life, if you will, that, uh, that we go to. And so Psalm 78 is a psalm, a song, but it includes or it points the children of Israel back to some of the songs of their past. And it repeats these in a pattern that is very discernible. Uh, and, and so there are songs about God's wonder. Uh, for instance, in Exodus 15, we have the song of Moses. And even though that song is not reproduced here, uh, it's alluded to in some of the events that it talks about here. There are also songs of rebellion, a big part of Israel's past, uh, even at this point in time was their rebellion and their repeated rebellion against God. And if you're going to talk about their rebellion, then you also want to make sure that you get to God's grace because they repeat those songs about God's grace and all of those and, and his restoration. All of those are part of Psalm 78. And it highlights for us, if you will, what I call uh, the remix, to go back and grab those old songs and pull them together. And it underscores this big idea truth for us. I hope that you'll hang on to this as we get through this. And that is that we, we should remix some of the great songs of the past of our faith. And we get lasting value out of that. It gives us something to teach the generations below us today and those who will come after us. And so on this 138th anniversary of our church... Uh, we want to go back and pick up some of the old songs, some of the great old songs of our church. Not literally as far as singing is concerned, although you'll see some of that in today's uh, package uh, video presentation that we're doing online. But those songs that are, are the fabric of who we have been as a church and who we are as a people, and better said, who we are as Christians. There's educational value to that. There's worship value. And I, I just want to underscore this truth, that those great songs need to drive us to worship. That's part of what happens in Psalm 78. It needs to be part of what happens with us. This is not an exercise in nostalgia. I'm sure that you have your favorite old songs. Maybe they're old hymns. Maybe they're something else, choruses, depending on you know, what, what your flavor preference is. But those songs need to drive us to worship, not just be nostalgic and make us feel good. And so as we come into this today, I'm going to read just handfuls. This is a long chapter, a long psalm, if you will. And uh, so I won't read the whole thing today, but we'll handle the first handful of verses there and see what that teaches us. And as we do that and consider those themes, those songs of our church, we'll tease out the value that those has for us, all right? So let's pray, and then we'll get moving uh, a little deeper into this passage. So Father, as we open your word again, we ask you to open our thoughts, uh, help us to hear well with the ears of our spirit, that your Holy Spirit would teach us today, that you would help us not to be a people of the past, but a people who have a past that informs the present and drives us into the future. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be right back. So here's the challenge that I have today. In about 15 minutes time here, how do we handle 
the second longest psalm in the entire book of Psalms because that's what Psalm 78 is. Psalm 119 is the longest, but Psalm 78 is the second longest. And there's so much in there that there's absolutely no way that I can cover it in any kind of great detail. So what I want to do is I want to kind of step back from that and, and answer my own question, how do I handle that much by saying this? The answer is we need to get to the point. <laughs> and the point of this particular Psalm uh, I, I guess we get there by asking the question, what did this psalmist want to accomplish? What was he trying to communicate that took him so many verses to get the message across? And in order to get to a, a good preliminary answer for that, I mean, it is the answer, but it's preliminary for us because the rest of the psalm will, will flesh this out for us. But the first uh, eight verses really gets us to the answer of why did he do this? What's his intent? And so we're going to center on those eight verses with a couple of references beyond that. So the answer to why did he do that, verses 1 through 8, get us, let me just read the first four verses to kind of get us into this. Psalm 78, a masculine of Asaph, give ear, O my, peop uh, give ear, o my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of God and his might and the wonders that he has done. The purpose of this psalm is stated in those four verses. We'll go through verse 8 in just a few moments, but let me, let me just pause and let's pull a few words out of those first four verses that help us understand where he's coming from as it relates to why. And so verse 1, he talks about my teaching. Give ear, O people, to my teaching. From the jump, this is a teaching, educational kind of psalm. It's not one that is strictly given over to praise like some of the ones we find, like the last uh, psalm of the book of Psalms. It's not one that uh, is a, what, what they call a royal psalm, like the second one is. This is one that is specifically designed to teach. It's an educational kind of psalm. Verse 1 helps us see that. Verse 2 amplifies that a little bit for us. He says, I will open my mouth in a parable. The word parable there is not, not necessarily the way we use it in the New Testament. Uh, that means it's a, it's a story with a meaning. That's the intent of that particular word. So I'm going to open my mouth with a parable. I'm going to tell this story, uh, but it's a story that has an intended purpose to it. it the, the meaning of this is the educational part of it for them. And I'll explain that in just a few moments. The second part of verse 2, uh, it's an interesting saying. He says, I will utter dark sayings from of old. And this gets us into the Hebrew education system as we understand it. The, the word dark sayings there literally could be translated as the word riddles. And so the wisdom literature that we find in the Old Testament, maybe the book of Ecclesiastes is a good place for this for us, where there are sayings there that, that don't necessarily immediately communicate. They, they drive us to think about them some and to process them. And that hits at the Old Testament uh, Old Testament, the Hebrew way of education that we find in the Old Testament, largely that was done by fathers in the home, and it was done to teach their children in ways that are tied directly to what they did as a family. Uh, but the wisdom approach, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, those things were intended to, to make the child think. And that's what this is. So 
the writer of this particular psalm is putting this together in such a way that says, hey, I'm going to rehearse the story of our people, but I'm going to rehearse it in such a way that it tells the story from the educational standpoint that gives us something to take away from it that we take into our future. And by extension, that means that we take that and push it into the lives of those who are younger or the, or the new people that we find coming into the faith, and we give them things to hang on to that take them where they need to go. It's a great message for us as a church who celebrates our anniversary to, that we look backwards, we pull the story with us, and ours is a great story in this church, uh, but we, we also say here's the story not for nostalgia, but for education as we go forward. One other statement he gets in the first part of verse 4, I will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation. The reason he's writing this song and the reason they will sing it for generation upon generation is because it tells a story that teaches the new generations. It's a storytelling educational song. Our modern music is full of that kind of music. Uh, for instance, uh, one of the favorites, I have a friend whose favorite song is one by Lee Greenwood uh, that is, I'm proud to be an American. And if you go back and listen to the lyrics of that song, he's telling a story from his own life that is intended to influence people around him. It's an educational kind of thing, but it grows out of his own experience. So that pushes us into verse 6 through 8. We find another piece here. Let me start back and I'll read from verse 5 where it says, and this is talking about God. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. That's a reference to the Shema uh, in Deuteronomy 6. Verse 6 says that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. He's saying here, I want to tell this story. And I want you to tell this story, or better said, to sing this song. Uh, but the intent here is that we have something to teach. And what we have to teach is, don't be like your daddy was, or your grandfather was. Well, actually, that's a little bit of a limited perspective, but that's a big part of the way he's going to lay this out. And so, as it comes to it, verse 7 helps us see this is a Holy Spirit kind of a song, that they should not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, that we would set our hope on God, the first part of that verse. This is a holy song, and the Spirit is the one that teaches the lesson for us as we recount the activity. So, on this lesson of the day for First Baptist Church, I would suggest that this psalm helps us to understand that what we need to teach is don't forget God and his involvement with us. God's always involved with us. That's not always a pleasant thing for us. And the patterns that we find coming out of this psalm are that, um, first of all, God shows his mighty works He's going to talk about the Exodus in here and what God did with them. We'll come to that passage in a little bit. But he also talks about the rebellion of the people of God. And that's not just a one-time thing. That's a pattern. It happens multiple times throughout Israel's history, just like it happens throughout your personal history and my personal history. That's part of who we are and how we tend to respond. But that rebellion from God is all, I mean, from us is always met by discipline from God. 
And that's part of the story. But the discipline from God is always intended to get us to the point where we receive the grace of God that moves us back to center with him as we need to be. That's what's going on here. Verses 12 through 16 help us to get that. And so let me close this section by that. Verse 12 says, In uh, in the sight of their fathers he performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the land of Zoan. He divided the sea, and he let them pass through it, and he made the water stand like a heap. In the daytime he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a fiery light. That's the wonders of God on their part, the wondrous works of God. Uh, Verse 15, he split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. The wonderful recurring work of God on behalf of his people. That's part of the song that we sing. And so as a church on this day, we need to look backward. And in this time of year, we need to remember what God has done in this place. And so just in my lifetime, go back to the number of pastors that have been here. Go back to the, to the various ways that this church has reached out with the good news of Jesus Christ into this community, that it has built fellowship uh, and a place to belong internally. Uh, we need to go back and rehearse what God has done in the midst of that to bless this church and to bless the community and the world through the work of this church. That's part of what we have to do. That's part of our song that teaches. But that must always be a trigger to worship. It's never intended for us to feel good about ourselves. And we will feel good about ourselves, but it's never intended for that purpose as the end all. It always needs to help us to see the work of God, and then that drives us to worship. So we're going to let you have a little bit of time now as you remember and sing. Uh, but just a little time of reflection, maybe discussion if you have several there with you, uh, to look at the question, what is the song that moves you to look backward and how does it drive you to worship? We'll be back in just a few moments to close the day. So we've seen that it's important that the song that we sing, this educational song, helps us to remember and particularly to remember the works of God, the wondrous works of God, That should drive us to worship. Uh, But as I said, this song is one that is intended to teach. And so as we do that, let me me just kind of settle in because some of the background of this psalm I think is really important for us, especially on an emphasis like this where we're celebrating an anniversary. Um, You you know, uh, every generation has the responsibility to teach. Uh, specifically to teach that next generation of those key truths about life that help them move forward. And, you know, I'm old enough now that I I did that with my children, and they're doing that with their children, and I'm doing that with my grandchildren. But when we put that in a church context, uh, I think it's really important for us at First Baptist Church on this anniversary weekend emphasis that, that we remember that we must be able to remember, but it's got to take us somewhere. And it's got to cause us to say, okay, here's what we pass on to the next generation. Uh, And that's hard because that next generation will take those lessons or not, and then they'll take it to the next level. Our responsibility is to teach them. Every generation of believers has responsibility to teach the next. The scholars that we look at for this particular psalm 
believe that this was used in a religious festival kind of a way. In other words, this was a song that they sang as a gathered nation uh, because they understood the need to teach the next generation about the wondrous works of God, as we read a few moments ago. Uh, and, and we must excel at this as a church. As a generation of Christians in America today, we must excel at teaching the next generation because things out there are much different than they were than when most of us were children. And so we need to be able to pass that on. Case in point, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Teresa and I had the occasion to be up in the panhandle and we went by to see the church that I served out a little farming community up close to between Lubbock and Amarillo. And we, we drove up to that church that when we were there, when I was in college, had about 100 people who were attending. On a good Sunday, it was 100. That church is now closed down. It was obvious that there's no meeting that happens there. And uh, I, I started thinking through how that could happen in one lifetime that a church went from being a vibrant part of the community to just being shut down. And part of the answer to that was even when we were there, there was not a strong emphasis on passing on the generational truths that needed to be about God and what he did. And so what was one person's fiery zeal at one point became a blazing nuisance for their children. And so they just let it go. We've got to be excellent at the way we pass on and educate from this particular standpoint. But we have to be realistic about that. It is not all about the wondrous works of God. We have to own that which is ours. Verses 17 through 20 give us that picture uh, in this recurring pattern throughout the book, or the, throughout this psalm. Verse 17 says, Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food that they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? In other words, these children of Israel who had seen the incredible work of God splitting the Red Sea so that they could get across and escape the Egyptian army, uh, water from a rock, manna, quail, all of those things that God had done in his wondrous works to make sure that they got to the promised land Time after time, they rebelled against that. That is the human condition. That is our tendency. And so we have to teach that also. Our children need to understand. The next generation needs to understand the mighty work of God on our behalf, but they also need to understand their proclivity towards rebellion. That's not the happy lesson that we like to teach. So we move from that to the other part, and this is part of the pattern of this psalm. You can read it, and you'll see it coming up several times, that God meets that rebellion with discipline, and then he meets that discipline with grace, with restoration. So this particular song doesn't end in rebellion and discipline. It moves us through that process where grace wins the day. We need to teach that. We need to teach the whole process. And in doing so on this anniversary weekend, we need to look backwards and see what our process has been. I suspect that as a church, we could go back and find this same pattern as it works its way through with us. So back to where I started. The great songs tend to be remixed, to be covered and sung again and again and again. 
This is the song that the church of Jesus Christ needs to sing. God works on our behalf. He, his, he, he's powerful. He's loving. He's involved. We also need to sing that part of the song where we recognize that we rebel against that, that we need to come back in line. And so that discipline that he brings and then the grace that he brings to get us back in line, all of those are part of this song that is ours, a song for the ages, as I have entitled this message. And so what better way to get to that than to remix the old songs and to pull them in and sing them to the coming generations. I hope that you'll hold on to that truth. And as a church, we will embody that and embrace the opportunity we have to teach and to grow the next generation. But let me just stop and say that you need to be part of that generation. And so that means that we always want to say to those of you who do not know Jesus Christ, you're not part of the family of God because you've responded to his offer of grace. We want you to have that offer. We want you to step into the life that only Jesus Christ can give to you. It's a life of forgiveness of sin. It's a life that draws us to himself. It's a life that is, has eternal consequence, but it also has consequence today. That's part of our song. That's the heart of our song, actually. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to contact us. Uh, there's a number that's coming up on the screen here. You can get a hold of us at www.fbcep.com. Uh, but however you do it, get a hold of us. Let us talk to you and teach you how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and become part of that family of love and of grace. God bless you. We'll see you next week.